morning and, and welcome to the bridge. I am so glad you're here today. Today we're talking about something that will be a constant throughout your life. There will always be barriers or as in our story today, there will always be Jordan rivers. So today we're going to talk about crossing our Jordan. We're going to talk about how people of faith are willing to do whatever it takes to cross over that barrier that God allows to be in their life. And so we're going to talk about crossing our Jordan. The first thing we need to know about crossing our Jordan is that obstacles can distract us. They can discourage us. Uh, they can even defeat us and, and at times stop us in our crossing. You see, everyone here today who faces an obstacle, everyone here today uh, who finds themselves up against a raging river, their own personal Jordan, uh, if, if they choose to allow that ominous, threatening moment to cause them to step back away, they will find themselves on a secondary route that is not God's best or his plan for their life. And so I'm going to get started reading the scripture so we can uh, roll this out today in a way that all of us can understand. Here's the ch children of Israel. Uh, they have been camped for three days along the Jordan River. And the Bible says in Joshua 3.1, early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left the grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Three days later now, here we go. This was the easy part, getting right up to the river. Now comes the hard part. Look at it. It's there in the next verse, which we're going to look at in just a moment. It is in the passage we read that it is now time for them to go into the promised land. That God had promised Abraham hundreds of years before. And so those spies, 12 of them, one ahead leader from each tribe goes into the promised land with virtually the promise from God, this is yours, all you got to do is take it. I'll be with you. I'll, I'll prepare the way. Victory is yours. And if you know the story, it's pretty simple. What happened? They came back and there was a majority report. Ten of them said it can't be done. And that, that happens in life. There's many times in life we come up against things and humanly it looks like it can't be done. Two of them, a guy, a guy named Joshua and a guy named Caleb, they came back, minority report, and said, yep, if God said we can do it, piece of cake. Let's do it. Well, 40 years later, because of the majority report and their lack of faith, the people refused to do what God asked them to do. Would you make note of this? Anytime you refuse to do what God's asked you to do, your future is less than what it could be. And, and so they are 40 years down the road. Probably over a million people have died in the wilderness and they're now getting a second chance. And I'm so thankful God is the God of second chances. But students, graduates, here, don't waste time running around in the wilderness. Uh, you know, the key to life is just figuring out what does God want? What does he ask me to do? And the only two people over the age of 59 who went 
were Joshua and Caleb. The only two guys in the minority report said it could be done. And so that's, that's an amazing kind of image of what life is like in so many ways for all of us and for us as a church community. We, we as a church community are really, because of the sale of our building, we're now up against a barrier, the challenge of what to do next. And I want to explain a couple things to you about that because I really think that there's some insights here for us on a personal level, whatever you're facing, and for us as a church community. So the Bible says they hung out, they camped there for three days. Again, we're talking literally hundreds of thousands of people. And I think the reason God wanted them to do that is because God wanted to make sure that they knew it was an impossible situation. Sometimes God brings impossible situations into our life for our benefit so that we'll have to say, God, you've asked us to do it. There's no other way to do it than by faith, let's do it. That's what they didn't do 40 years earlier. And so I want to show you the next verse here. It's a big deal because it'll put in context what they were facing. Would you look at your notes here? Let me ask you to look at that together with me. From Joshua 3.15. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. What did that look like? The Jordan River is usually a pretty lazy river. I think I mentioned last week I've baptized people in the Jordan River. And it was barely up to my chest. Uh, this river now is a raging river. 30 to 40 mile an hour currents. It has overflowed its banks, possibly a mile across in some places. And that's not even all of it. Uh, I, I've read so much from, from the historians as they describe what it's like. Uh, Jeremiah refers to this Jordan Valley, this area is filled with scrub brush. But... This tangled brush became the secondary obstacle because right beneath the water, as the water came over its bank, were these bushes. And everyone knew if you tried to cross that water, you couldn't see it, and you had a real chance of getting entangled in that brush. And I, I think all of us have things beneath the surface that are out there that we don't see, but the good news, God knows. He knows where they are. And he has given us a command to move forward and trust him when the impossible comes in front of us. And so everyone here has those moments when they, they just feel like, I can't go on. The barrier is too much. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's friends have lied about you. Maybe it's circumstances beyond your control. Whatever it is, problems at work. But, but press forward. Do the right thing. Live in such a way that when people speak evil of you, Others just won't even believe it because you're, you're walking with Jesus Christ. And so as we move forward, now that we kind of see what they were up against, uh, the next question is pretty obvious. What do you do with that raging river, the raging rivers of your life? And, and I'm glad we've asked that because that's number two. Let me give you very quickly what I want you to, to walk out of here with today. Purity and, and willingness to follow God will ensure successful crossings. In other words, in your life, the obstacles you face, if you will buy into God's purpose and plan for your life, and it begins with purity, personal purity, and I'm going to define that, what that looks like, because there's two lessons here. The first one, personal purity. Let's look at Joshua 3.5, Scripture. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourself. Tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. I told you last week we'd talk about that very briefly. You see, Joshua didn't want them taking old habits, bad habits, 
into the promised land. And so, number one on this list, he says, hey, everyone has a responsibility to, to, to meet with God and to make sure that God has examined their heart. And, and that's true for us in, in our lives every day. That's why if you begin your life with a daily quiet time, a devotional, you begin every day by saying, God, today's the day you've made. I want to start out today saying, how'd I do yesterday? And you ask God and you get insights into that. And you ask God to forgive you when you failed. Purity is not a list of rules. Do you hear that? Sometimes churches have these lists of rules. When I traveled around, I was always amazed at, at how different churches had different rules, and some rules would be on one churches and not another. I, I, I think a list can help you, but ultimately, at the end of the day, the purity is your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that's the first step in moving across any barrier, is to know that your relationship with God is right. The second part of this is, is to be sure you're locked into following God, not man. There's always been a delicate balance between God's plan for calling people and putting them out there as leaders. You know, guys, let me just tell you this. It is a crushing, humbling thing to get up some mornings and feel like, wow, my, my whole life since I was 17, I felt that God wanted me to stand up in front of people and say, hey, hey. God says this, thus saith the Lord. And, and so there's a, there's a fine line between us getting so locked in on the messenger, you know, the leader that we, you know, we get so attached that, that we begin to put more value in that than into the God who that leader represents. Paul kind of qualified, he said, let me just make sure this doesn't ever get crazy. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. So there's a high standard for leaders. But it has to be about following God. And that, that we see in our next verse here, how this delicate balance is navigated. Drop down under number two to that second verse giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. The, the cool thing about this, if you, if you spend a little time and you really get around, you, you dig down a little bit and get your head around this and say that Ark, you know, what's the big deal? It's not just Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, you know, searching for the lost Ark. This was a very real artifact. And in it, there were three things. And those three things represented who God was, his faithfulness, and his purpose for us. The first was the manna. And manna, if you don't know, was how God fed him in the wilderness for 40 years. Every day, there it was, manna. You know, Big Mac and fries, every day, same thing. And so you went out and you got it and... and you were even told there's a whole bunch of cool things. If you gathered too much and you hoarded it, it would go bad before the next day. And, and so I won't get sidetracked with that, except to say God wanted in front of them the image in this ark of this incredible truth. You see, it wasn't about Joshua. It, it wasn't about Moses. It was about what was in there. And what was in there, everybody knew what was in there. In there was this 
amazing visualization of the fact that God was able to supply their needs. The second thing was in there was Aaron's rod. And we don't want to get sidetracked too much, but his rod was unique and distinct because when a bunch of people said, follow me, Aaron's rod was unique and different because it was like a broom handle. His, a bud popped out of it. A dead piece of wood, boom. And God said, hey, let me help you out here a little bit. When, when you follow someone, Aaron's my guy for now, but keep in mind, keep in mind it's about me and the miracle here. And so when those people followed the ark, not only were they saying God is able to supply our need, but God is able to give us leaders who can help us move forward in our faith. And then the third thing that was in that, that ark, which is so cool, was this stone tablet, which was God's moral law, the Ten Commandments. How many of you ever heard of that? Would you wave at me? You've heard of the Ten? Okay, that's cool. The, those Ten Commandments are God's moral law, and, and that, that shows us that as we follow God, we've got to follow His moral standards. They're not negotiable. You know, don't lie about each other. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Love God first with all your heart. And, and those things are chiseled in stone. How cool is that? And so when the people were following across the Jordan River, out in front of them was this example of, of what they were really following. They were following a God who could provide them leaders when they needed it, who could feed them when they were hungry, and, and who gave them a, a way to live that was different from the world. And that's what you're signing on for when you say, I'm all in for Jesus. I want to get baptized. I want to follow Christ. I, I want to live differently. You know, it's really not faith at all if there's no difference between us and the world. Our faith should make us different. We should be better. We should be willing to, to say that it's not about rules, it's about this relationship. And because of our relationship with Christ, old things pass away, and before me is this whole new, amazing life. You keep God first through purity. You meet his standards. But number three, let me give you the last thought here. Following God's instructions... Here's something very cool, and it really wraps this up here. Following God's instructions when they're unfamiliar is really the key to the crossing here. Uh, you know, every little Jewish kid, can you imagine this? 40 years, you grew up in the wilderness. How many of you ever been camping before? How many of you are like me? My idea of camping is downgrading to the Hampton from the Hilton, okay? You with me on that? Okay, that's camping out. That's toughing it. No, I've done my share of camping, don't get me wrong. But every kid growing up, they're camping out for 40 years. And, and every night, bedtime story. You know what the bedtime story was? Hey, let, me, let, let us tell you about this really cool moment a few years ago, year after year, one year ago, two years ago, 39 years ago, telling the same bedtime story. There's this guy named Moses. He's still hanging around, but man, he's older than dirt right now. And Moses went out to this thing called the Red Sea and he took this staff God had given him. He'd been up on the mountain. God gave us the Ten Commandments and he walked out and he held it out over the Red Sea and that water just parted. And he said, we escaped 
Every night, this was the story. Jewish children are still taught this story. It's in the Bible. It's there for us. And, and really, they were taught that God freed them from slavery in Egypt. That's a pretty cool story, isn't it? So we kind of get used to these stories. We're familiar with them. But now God comes along and he does something that he does all the time. He starts doing things a little bit differently. Look at the first verse under number three. When you reach the banks of the, the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So God did not tell Joshua, the new leader, to grab the staff that Moses had and hold it out there. He said, here's what I want you to do. Go wading. I don't know about you. I'm inspired by the staff thing, aren't you? That's pretty cool. <laughs> Dry land. I'm in. I'm going. Jordan says, come on. <laughs> Joshua says, come on, let's go. And he walks out into the water up to about here. Come on, people, let's go. I'm on the banks now looking at 40 mile an hour water with brush under it going, hmm, not so sure. It took faith for Joshua to do something differently. But that's what God told him to do, so that's what he did. Then it gets even crazier. Because the next thing you see, I just go to the next verse. Would you do that? The priests will carry the ark of the Lord. We just talked about the ark. The Lord of all the earth. And as soon as their feet touch the water... The flow of the water will cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. That's kind of inspiring if you're not the first guy that has to step down. W would you call that faith? Would you agree with me? Life is very much like that. There are going to be moments when God asks you to do something and you just got to take a step of faith. And that's true in our individual lives. But, but please don't blame God on stuff that doesn't fit into his model of what purity is and what the Christian life is. Don't just blame God on, yeah, I, I'm going on faith. And you're out, you're out doing crazy. God, God has a plan and a purpose for us. He wants so much for us. And, and that's the cool thing today. We, we meet here together with this great privilege in front of us as a church community. And we're going to do things a little bit differently in the future, okay? It's not going to be the same as Moses going, then let the water part. You know, that's pretty cool. I think you can get a lot of people inspired by that. But I kind of feel like right now, like Joshua standing this deep in water going, hey, everybody, let's go. It, it, doesn't it look a little bit differently? And some of you are going to have to have the courage to step out and, and be a part of something, even when maybe right now it isn't fully coming together. I do know it will. And I'm here today telling you, I believe it with all my heart. And by faith, I believe it will. And, and because we have something today that is so cool at our access, something, you say, what do I do? I'm glad you asked because we're going to do it right now. Would you stand up very quietly? We're not done here for a moment. We're going to continue the service by asking you to do something. We're going to ask you to do the one thing you can do before you give, before you sacrifice, before you serve. And some of you have already figured it out. What can you do? You can pray. You can pray. And so I'm going to ask you, if you would, to look around. We're going to have a prayer moment in the bridge right now. And I'm going to ask you to find two, three people. Let's, let's not get too big of crowds here. And kind of cluster together and ask one of the people in that group of 
two or three, to lead in prayer. And you can get down beside your seat, you can kneel, you can stand there in a little group, and I'm gonna let you pray for just a few minutes. But I'd like all of us, if you end up without a partner, just bow your heads and pray by yourself. But try and find someone. This is, this is what church community is. It's praying together. Scripture says that there's two or three of us agreeing. And what are we praying for? We're praying that God will show us what's next. We are up against a barrier, and we want to be on point. We want to do this his way. We don't want to spend another 40 years running around in the wilderness. And so I'm convinced God will show us, but I'm convinced that we equally have a part in praying and practicing personal purity. Because if we're not dead earnest about this purity part and our relationship with Christ, those prayers just bounce off the ceiling. And I don't know about you. There are times in my life when my kids are sick, when I need something, when there's problems in my life, I want to know that my prayers go further than the ceiling. And so we need desperately to hear from God. So we're praying for God to visit us, to show us, so that when we take that step, even if we're standing in a little water and it looks different, looks a little differently than maybe the way we've done it in the past, we will know God is with us. Thank you for listening today. We hope your heart was inspired. For more information or directions, visit us at abt316.com.